0: Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. Uh, go with me to Job 32. Wow, that got a little response in the crowd. Here I say, oh, "Oh, Job, Job 32." We're going to read six through ten. We wanted to give something real encouraging to the kids on Family Sunday, so I'm going to tell them how Job's whole family was wiped out. I'm just <laughs> 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 spoiler alert. <laughs> Job 32 (laughs) That may have been kind of a poor joke But I guess you all are sick people too So (laughs) And Elihu That's a fun name Elihu the son of Barakel The Buzite Answered and said I am young in years, and you are aged. Therefore, I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion opinion to you. I said, let days speak, and many years teach wisdom. But it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. It is not the old who are wise, nor the aged who understand what is right. Therefore, I say, listen to me. Let me also declare my opinion. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this word. And thank you for those that are in this place to hear it or listening uh, over live stream. Thank you for these kids being in here to hear this. Father, help us to open our minds to hear you, open our hearts to hear you. Father, to receive this. Help me today. Help me to communicate this in the simplest way possible, Father, that it is understandable. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there are a lot of special things happening today. Oh, you want to miss? Oh, this is good, Rose. I always forget to turn around and see the picture. I'll go a whole service, and I won't turn around, and then later I'm sad that I don't know what it looks like. There are a lot of special things happening today. First of all, today is Family Sunday. This is one of my favorite Sundays of the month. I love it when all the kids are in here, in here with us. We also know that this is Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day is for the service men and women that died in the line of duty. That is what this weekend is about. That is what Memorial Day is about, is honoring those. And we always want to do that. And we always want to remember, and we never want to forget. And we always want to hold those in high esteem, in high regard, that put their lives on the line for us and for our freedoms and for this country. Now, on Veterans Day... We will honor all those that are dead and those that are living. But on Memorial Day, we remember and honor those that gave their life in our defense. And so this is a very special weekend for that reason. But today is a very special day for another reason. And this is a big one on the church calendar, not the river calendar, but the church calendar in the whole world. Kiddos, does anybody know what today is on the church calendar? Today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day of Pentecost, which happens every year and has for thousands of years. Tell your neighbor, happy Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday. What is Pentecost Sunday? Hope you get your answers right, Olivia. A Jewish holiday, which originally was a Thanksgiving celebration for the first harvest of wheat. And so Pentecost, when most of us think about Pentecost, we think about one particular day of Pentecost, which we read about in the book of Acts which is why we use the term Pentecostal, because we embrace what happened on that day, and we believe that's still available. But the day of Pentecost had been happening for a very long time already. That was another day of Pentecost when something special happened on that day. But Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. It was a Thanksgiving holiday for the first harvest of wheat of that year when they would thank God For the harvest that had come in. Later, they included in Pentecost, the Pentecost celebration, remembering when God gave his law to Moses. When God gave the Ten Commandments, uh, and then a lot more came with it. When God gave the law to Moses. And so Pentecost became a celebration not only of the fact they had food to eat, But Pentecost was a celebration that God had given his law, that God had said, here is right and here is wrong. This Pentecost feast always happened 50 days after Passover. You remember we just had Easter. You guys remember we just had our Easter celebration, our big production? Well, that is the uh, holiday of Passover. when, When our Easter story happened was the holiday of Passover, which was a remembrance of the Israelites being freed from the slavery in Egypt. And the death angel flew through the town and took the firstborn of every house, uh, human beings and animals. But when they applied the blood to the door, the death angel passed over and everybody in that house was safe. He passed over. That was Passover. So we just celebrated Passover. But 50 days after Passover is today. It is Pentecost. The word Pentecost literally means 50. That's what it means. That was very convenient. 50 days after. What are we going to call this that comes 50 days after Passover? Let's call it 50. And so today is the day of 50. Tell your neighbor, happy 50. All right. So that is the day of Pentecost. Celebration of harvest. Celebration of the giving of God's law is 50 days after Passover. But after Jesus died, after he rose from the dead, he told his disciples, he said, I'm getting ready to go back to the Father. I'm getting ready to ascend. He said, but I won't leave you comfortless. He said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he will send back another comforter like me. He will send back one in my place to always be with you and to be in you. He said, I'm going to pray that he sends back the Holy Spirit. He said, so far the Holy Spirit has been with you, but he's going to be in you. He said, so go to Jerusalem, he told his, his disciples, and there was a whole group, the disciples and their family and the 70 that had followed, there was a whole group. It was about 120 people, men and women. He said, go to Jerusalem, he said, and pray, and wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for when I get to heaven and send the Holy Spirit. So they went to Jerusalem, and they gathered together. Now, it was very convenient because they were going to be there anyway. You know why? They were there to celebrate Pentecost. They were all gathered to celebrate Pentecost. In the 120, they gathered in an upper room where they prayed and fasted and no doubt worshiped and probably talked about, what is this going to look like, this promise of the Father? How is this going to be? And they they did, they did that for about 10 days when the day of Pentecost was fully come, when it actually came, the feast day of Pentecost, you know, most people believe the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room. Probably he didn't fall in the upper room. On the day of Pentecost, they would have went out of the upper room into the temple. And there in the temple in worship, this is where it would have happened. And all of a sudden, they heard a sound. Now, if you and I had heard the same sound, we would have said, that sounds like a freight train. What is that? That sounds like a train getting closer. They didn't have freight trains. And so they said, that's the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It's it's getting bigger. It's, it's, I don't see any wind, but it's the sound of a mighty rushing wind. So they hear this sound, and then all of a sudden, I don't know who looked first, but all of a sudden, one of them looked up, and over the top of somebody's head, was a flame of fire. It was like a little tongue of fire flickering over their head. But that person saw it, and they had it too. And on top of all of their heads was this flickering fire that had come to rest on them. And then the strangest thing happened. First of all, they heard this wind, and then this, these little fires appear all over everybody. But then somebody opened their mouth to say something. But when they started talking, much to their surprise, they were not speaking in their own language anymore. They were speaking in a different language that they didn't know. As a matter of fact, they were all speaking in different languages from each other. Now, here's what's really, really neat about that. Because it was Pentecost, because there were people there from different places, there were a lot of people there that spoke different languages, So you've got all of these people there from these different areas. These folks start speaking in languages they don't know, but the folks listening did know. And they said, they're preaching the wonderful works of God. These people didn't even know what they were saying. They said, they're praising God but they're praising them in my language. He's praising God in my language. Well, I hear him preaching about God, but he's preaching in my language. How do these, they said, unlearned Jews, because these were Jews that were not educated in other languages. They said, how is it that they are declaring the mighty works of God in our languages that they don't know? They said, how is this happening? So Peter stands up. He says, I'm going to tell you. He said, I'm going to tell everybody what this is that's happening. He said, there was a prophet a long time ago named Joel. He said, and God spoke to Joel and told him there was going to be a day coming in the last days. And when we get to the last days... God said He was going to all of a sudden pour His Holy Spirit out on these men and women and fill them, and they would begin to prophesy and preach God's Word with stammering lips and an unknown tongue. And Peter said, This is the fulfillment of it. He says, this is the last days. This is the prophecy. He said, this is what Joel said, and it has come to pass. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on this Pentecost. Give the Lord a hand clap. Isn't that great? So today is that day. This is the celebration This is the celebration. You know, before that happened, the Holy Spirit had always been at work in the world, but he didn't live full-time inside of people. If, If God needed someone to be empowered to do something, the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon that person to do that job. But then that power would lift. You see, human beings, even those that believed in God, they didn't have a changed heart. They were ruled by God's law that they read on tablets of stone. But Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to trade this out. He said, you're not going to live under the law, you're going to live under the Spirit. He said, and the law will not be written on cold, dead tablets. He'll inscribe it into your heart when he comes To live in you. Because of that Pentecost, now when we put faith in the fact that Jesus died for us, faith in the fact that Jesus rose again, faith in his forgiveness for our sin, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead The same Holy Spirit that came on the prophets of old, the same Holy Spirit that hovered on the face of the water when God created heaven and earth, the same Holy Spirit that came on that Pentecost Sunday 2,000 years ago, that Holy Spirit lives inside of you and inside of me. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, full time, not just for a minute. You know, he would fill somebody up, but then he would lift again. But now he's here. Now he's here. He is available to live in us, and he's available to fill us with power to serve the Lord. Boy, I think that the last 10 minutes that I just said is what most Pentecostals in most churches need to hear today. That the point is not so you can repeat some conk out on the floor. But that the point is that you get filled up, endued with power by God Himself to live an upright life to love the unlovable. I've known some tongue-talking people that were mean, but if I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to love the unlovable. I'm going to do the hard stuff. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to share the gospel. Happy Pentecost, everybody. Happy Pentecost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's this got to do with Job and this guy, Elihu, son of Barakel the Buzite? What's it got to do with that? Well, a whole lot, especially since this is Family Sunday when the kids are in here with us. Kids, I think this is going to blow your mind, what I'm getting ready to share with you. I want to read this verse again. Elihu, the son of barakel I don't know, the Buzite, the Buzzite. Answered and said, now listen to what he said. Kiddos, are you listening? I better tell you who he was first. So Job, this guy Job, was going through a horrible time. He had just lost his home, all of his livestock, his kids, everything that he had, he lost. And it's not because he did anything wrong. This man loved the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. He lived upright. He did everything right. And we'll get in another day, we'll get into that story, but that's not what we talk about now. But he had lost all of this. Well, his friends showed up and they said, Oh, Job, this happened to you because you're living in sin. Job said, No, I'm not. And they said, No, this doesn't happen to somebody unless they're living in sin. You've done something wrong. You need to repent. Job said, No, I haven't done anything wrong, I've lived upright. I am upright before God. I haven't done that. And another friend showed up and said, no, you got secret sin. You must have done this or you must have done that. Job said, no, I didn't do any of those things. They said, yeah, but you did. You're you're living in sin. And all these people are showing up telling him, well, in the meantime, Job gets kind of bitter. And he actually starts challenging God a little bit and saying that God was not being just in how he was dealing with him. Now, Job should not have done that. That's not, that wasn't the case. He said that, that God was not doing right. Well, that's when this guy shows up, Elihu. Elihu, he had some ideas about Job's uh, situation. Not so much about the situation. He had some ideas about the things Job was saying about God. Because Elihu wanted to declare that God is just and that God is Right and that he's good no matter what. But Elihu, he had not shown up yet. This word was burning down inside of him. But he kept listening to these other people show up and give their word, but he didn't give his. Do you know what was keeping him from giving what was in his heart? He thought he was too young because he was really, really young. The Bible doesn't say exactly. But he felt like, I'm just a kid. I can't show up. Here are these old men. Here are these guys that have lots of life experience. They're showing up and telling this to Job. Now, they're wrong. But I'm just a kid. I'm young in years. I can't do this. That's what he said. He said, I am young in years. You are aged. Therefore, I was timid. I was afraid to declare my opinion to you. I said, let the days speak. The people that have lots of days that they've lived, let them speak. Let the many years teach wisdom. He says, there's some guys here got a lot of years that I don't have. Let them teach the wisdom. He said, that's how I have felt. But then he realized something. Are you ready for this? He said, but wait, it's the spirit in man. It's the breath of the almighty that makes him understand. It's not the old who are wise or the aged who understand what is right. Therefore, I say, listen to me. Let me also declare my opinion. Kids, this is what I want to tell you. And this is amazing. This young man, Elihu, he said, I've had it all wrong. He said, I've been thinking that being old makes you wise. And that if you're really young, you don't have any wisdom because you haven't lived long enough to have any wisdom. I have been believing that living for a long time makes you a wise person. He said, but now I'm sitting here listening to some old guys. He said, and what they're saying, he said, I know it's not wise. He said, I've got the Holy Spirit dealing with me. He said, I have the breath of God dealing with me. He said, I've got something to share. I'm not as old, but God has given me wisdom, and my wisdom counts too. Regardless of my age, is this helping anybody? I never heard this preached. The Lord just gave it to me, hot off the wire. Come on. He said, it's not age that makes you wise. It's not age that makes you wise. He said, it's the Holy Spirit that makes you wise. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you understanding. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches you. Isn't that amazing? 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 8, says this. By the way, 1 Corinthians 12, kids, if you ever want to know where there's a list of the different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to people to help them in their life. That's, it's like, honestly, it's like superpowers, It's things that a human being cannot do on their own. So the Holy Spirit shows up with a superpower. He gives them the ability to do something that they cannot do. All right? You know, Superman can fly. Spider-Man can shoot uh, webs. You know, Batman's got a lot of money. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's right, Tucker. I forgot. That's not a superpower. I was going to try to slide it on through. But anyway. So those are called the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not flying and web shooting, but these that I'm getting ready to give you from 1 Corinthians 12. Now in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, it says, for to one is given through the Holy Spirit the utterance of wisdom. That's what Elihu's talking about. Wisdom that, the, that he had not gained from living, wisdom he had gained from a relationship with God. Isn't that amazing? To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that two of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom that you didn't work for and knowledge that you didn't work for. To know information that you couldn't have known and also know to know the right way to go about something. Wisdom is knowledge applied. You can have a lot of information and not be wise. People have information, but they don't use it. So these are gifts of the Spirit. Now, King Solomon told us, I don't have the Scripture reference, King Solomon told us that we gain wisdom from life experience and also from the Word of God. And here we learn that we gain wisdom from a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. Many people, they believe what Elihu used to believe. They assume that old people automatically have wisdom because they are old. But I got to tell you, no disrespect to anybody. I've met people that had lots of years and not lots of wisdom. You ever met any old people that still had not gained any wisdom? You ever meet people that are well... Don't name anybody, but... You ever ever meet anybody that is well-aged, but they're still making foolish decisions? It seems like they... This is going to go a different direction real quick. I'm never going to get to preach this message. (laughs) It seems like they never wise up. You know folks that have been through hard knock after hard knock after hard knock, and they're still as bullheaded and stubborn, stiff-necked, hard-nosed as they've always been. And they've got all kinds of information, but they never wise up. And they're just hard and bitter. And usually these are the folks that want to give the advice. They got all kinds of advice for you, don't they? But it doesn't always work this way. Now listen to this. I have also met young people that did not have many years, but they were operating in wisdom. I've met some really young people that they had been really wise in their decisions and in gaining the right information and making the right choices. And they were operating in wisdom as a young person. You see, the greatest wisdom. Now, thank God for age. And we can gain wisdom through age if we'll cooperate. But the greatest wisdom is not produced because of age. The greatest wisdom comes from a relationship with the Lord and cooperating with him through the life experiences. Somebody give him a hand. That's where wisdom comes from. Wisdom comes through listening and carrying it out over and over and over and adjusting all the way. We keep making adjustments all the way. Sometimes Kids, you might think, I'm just a kid. What do I have to offer? I'm just a young person. What do I have to offer? But hear me, I don't care how young you are. You are just as much a child of God and loved by God as any person, any preacher, any grown-up. God has used kids to do some amazing things while they're still kids. God uses kids if you'll let him, but it's up to you. You have to let him. Children, it is your responsibility. You say, I'm just a kid. It doesn't matter that you're just a kid. You're a complete human being. You don't have to wait till you become a grown up to be a whole human. You were a whole human at the moment that the light came on inside of your mommy's womb. You were a complete human being right then, a complete, valuable human being. In the moment that you begin to grow and gain information, listen, when you can think, you can be used. God wants to use you, kids, and he will, if you will let him. God has chosen many young people to use in big ways. Does anybody remember when there were about 20,000 hungry people on a hillside? Jesus was trying to preach them, but they couldn't listen because their bellies were growling. And they didn't have any food. But he found some fish. He found two fish. And he found five loaves of bread, and Jesus used that. He, he began to bless it and multiply it. It grew. It was a miracle. And he fed 20,000 people. It was 5,000 men and then their families. There was about 20,000 people. And he fed all of them with just two fish and five loaves of bread. Good thing he had the two fish and the five loaves of bread that he could multiply, right? Where did he get it? Where did he get the two fish and the five loaves of bread? From a little boy. It was that little boy's lunch. Now, the little boy could have said, find your own food. That's my lunch. My mom packed it for me, and I'm hungry. I'm eating my lunch. But the little boy said, okay. He let go of his lunch that was important to him. He sacrificed it. He handed it over. He said, He said, Jesus, I'll give you what's mine. And the little boy gave his lunch over to those disciples to bring to Jesus. If that little boy would not have given his lunch, 20,000 people would have gone hungry and they would not have heard Jesus preaching that day. Jesus got to share God's word with 20,000 people because of a little boy because of his obedience. God used that. And now we're still talking about that little boy 2,000 years later. When I said, who did it? You said the little boy. Here we're talking about that little boy all these years later. Luke 18, 17, Jesus said this. Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Kids are special. Because of that little boy, 20,000 people are being fed, and look how many are still being fed today by the story. We're being fed the bread of life. We're being fed the word of God through that little boy's gift. Matthew 19, 14. Jesus said, let the children, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Kids, you can see stuff that we can't see because our brains done got too full and too busy. And, <laughs> watch yourself. Tucker said I'm too old. <laughs> Listen. Grown-ups now grown-ups don't have to be this way, and some maybe are not, but generally, as grown-ups, sometimes we get so busy trying to do the important stuff, we might forget what's the most important stuff. Like playing. Can I tell you, playing is real important. Using your imagination and running around and having fun and laughing with friends and laughing with family. Too many times, grown-ups' minds get so consumed with all the work stuff, we forget. You guys, your minds aren't quite so full yet. God can do things with you that he can't even get my attention for. Because I get my brain so full with all this stuff I think I have to do. So what will God do? He'll speak to one of you. God will do something through you because you're in a position to hear him. Look at David. You remember David in the Bible? Even though David was 30 years old when he became king, he was only about 10 to 15 When God chose him and God anointed him. God anointed David for king at 10 and begin to prepare him, begin to grow him. God doesn't wait till it's time for your call to call you. God doesn't wait till it's time to finish the job to let you know about it. God picks you now. God chooses you now. And then he begins to form you around that calling. It's an amazing thing. So David was called. David was chosen. David was anointed. Now David had a long time to wait before he actually sat on the throne. But listen, God started using him before he was king. In the meantime, God used him to minister in music. God actually used David's music to chase demons away. You see, there were demon spirits that were after the king at the time, King Saul, and they would plague his mind. They would attack his mind. And Saul said, bring David in. Well, he didn't know his name yet. He said, bring that musician in. David would come in and he would play the harp. And his music was anointed by God. And any time David began to play music, the demons ran away. And Saul would say, my mind's free. I can think again. You know, God still uses an, uh, anointed music today to bring peace to our minds. Turn the worship on. Don't save it for here. Come on. Worship in your car. Worship in your house. Praise the Lord wherever you are. But God used David that way he, to minister in music, chase away demons. And then he used little David to slay Goliath. You remember that? You know, Goliath was about nine foot tall at least. Let's see, I'm six foot tall, and this, uh, I forget exactly how tall this is, three-ish feet. And so, if Goliath was standing on the ground right now, he would be higher than my head. Probably be about here, off the ground. That's a big guy, isn't it? You know, all of the trained soldiers tried to go out and defeat Goliath. Grown ups that had armor and they knew how to fight, and they couldn't beat him. You know who beat him? David. Little old David, Tucker, little old David. David went out, and the giant laughed at him. What are you going to do? And he said, I don't come to you with a sword and a shield. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. (laughs) You see, when human weapons aren't working, you just reach into your Holy Spirit arsenal and pull out the sword of the Spirit and get the job done. You may think you can't defeat the thing that is against you right now because you say, I don't have enough education. I don't know how to go up against this situation. I don't have the strength. I don't have the right name. I don't have the wrong help. But you've got the word of God. David reached in his pocket and he pulled out five smooth stones. Five is the number of grace. That was a symbol, which meant I'm not going to beat you with human military knowledge. I'm going to beat you by resting. I'm going to beat you with grace. I'm going to beat you with God's power instead of my own. He didn't need all five stones, though. They were just to make a picture. He took out a sling. It was a little leather pouch with some leather laces. He could swing like this. And he took one of those stones, and he put it in there, and he swung it. And David was good at this. It was not his first rodeo. And he flung it. Now, historical tradition tells us that the way these guys would use those slings, get ready for this. The way they would use those slings, when the rock came out, it would be traveling at the speed of a bullet coming out of a 357. So that was like, you know... Make my day. (laughs) That was a 44, Clint Eastwood had. Make my day, you know. (laughs) So David's got his 44 on his side, you know, his leather 44, but he let go and that rock hit Goliath in the head. Should have fallen over backwards, shouldn't he? But he didn't. David hit him in the head here. Goliath fell forward. You see, it wasn't David that did it. I believe it was the hand of God. And then David went over and David pulled Goliath's sword. Goliath's laying there. He's got this big sword. And uh, David pulled Goliath's own sword off. He cut his head off with it. He carried that head around to that giant to show everybody the victory. God used little David in a big way. How many of you remember Daniel in the lion's den? Remember him? Bet you didn't know he was a teenager when it happened. He was just a kid. Daniel was in his teens when all that was going on Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You want to know another teenager that God used to save a whole nation? Her name was Esther. Queen Esther. Just a kid. You remember dreaming Joseph and his brothers sold him into slavery? 17 years old. 17 when he was sold into slavery. Did you know that most of Jesus' apostles, it looks like they were probably teenagers or early 20s. Probably a mixture. That's who he picked. That's who he chose were these young people Amazing. I know one other real special young one he chose. A little girl, 13, to carry the Son of God. And Mary carried Jesus in her womb. God used young people. Now, With all of that in mind, I want to read our text one more time. Think about it. And Elihu... We'll just skip over to what he said. Elihu said, "'I'm young in years. You are aged.' So I was timid. I was afraid to declare my opinion. I had said, "'Let the the days speak.' Let the many years teach wisdom. But wait. It's the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty that makes him have understanding. It's not the old who are wise, nor the aged. Therefore, I say, listen to me, because I got an opinion too. I know that in kids' church, You all have been learning that you can trust God to care for you, right? I can trust God to take care of me. But here's how God takes care of you. It is because of what happened on Pentecost. God sent his spirit to live in you. And you are supposed to have a relationship with that Holy Spirit. You see, many people invite Jesus into their life. And now they carry him around. He's just in there riding around. But they don't do anything with him. You're not supposed to just have Jesus inside. You're supposed to talk to him. And you're supposed to let him talk. You're supposed to have a relationship with him. How do you have a relationship with Jesus? How does Jesus live in you? By his Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that lives in you representing Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit you have a relationship with. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son, but we have the communion with the Holy Spirit. So today... On this family Sunday, on this Pentecost Sunday, I want you to realize God wants to use kids. God wants to use everybody. And He does it because of His Holy Spirit. Have you learned anything today? Have you been encouraged today? Can you give the Lord a hand clap? Singers, musicians, would you come? Praise the Lord. I love these kinds of messages. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? There might be somebody here today that does not know Jesus. There might be somebody here today that His Holy Spirit is not living inside of you because you've never accepted Him. But you can. You can receive Him today. You can leave this place knowing that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Wouldn't it be a special Pentecost Sunday if it was on Pentecost Sunday when you received Jesus and the Holy Spirit came to live? Wouldn't it be cool to do that on Pentecost? How do you do it? How do you get Jesus in? Well, the real issue is this. We are all born into sin. We are not God's children until we receive Him. We have all done things wrong. We are all guilty of sin. But God doesn't throw us away because of that. He loves us so much. If we stay lost in sin... We die eternally. We go into what's called the second death, eternal death. But God sent his son that we would not perish in that eternal death. Instead of dying forever, that we live forever. That sounds better, doesn't it? Well, the way he did it is that God sent his own son, Jesus. And Jesus took our place and paid for our sin. He was nailed to a cross punished for our sin he died there and three days later he got up from the dead and now it's up to us now it's up to us to say God I understand that I'm a sinner I know I've done things wrong and I'm sorry but I know you love me and I know you sent Jesus and I say yes Jesus forgive me of my sin and fill me. Come live inside of me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you. When you do that, you are born again. That's what the Bible calls it. Your insides are born all over again. Like a new baby is born, your spirit inside is born. And you're alive, and you'll live forever. Even when your body dies, you will live forever. My aunt, my mom's oldest sister she died this morning she died at 7 15 this morning and so I didn't have time to be sad yet so I just haven't I just did this and I'll be sad later when I got time but my aunt Jeannie her body is dead and in a couple days we'll lay her body to rest in the ground but my aunt Jeannie's not dead she just moved And really, she didn't even move because years ago when she got saved, when she accepted Jesus as Savior, the Bible says at that moment she was seated in heavenly places. The moment you get saved, your spirit becomes one with Jesus. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And really, he and the Father are one. He's in the Father, and the Father's in Him, and He's in you. So the Father's in you, but you're in the Father, and you're in Him, and it's great. The moment you get saved, your eternal life begins, and nothing can ever take that from you. The moment you get saved, you are saved and safe. You are saved and sealed, and you have eternal life. It starts the moment you accept Him, and it will go for eternity. You'll be saved forever. And when your body dies, you won't. When your body dies, your eyes will be opened. The eyes of your spirit will be opened. And you will realize heaven that you were seated in when you got saved. Your faith will become sight. If you've never done that, if you have never put your faith in Jesus' salvation but you want to, this is your moment. We're getting ready to do it right now if you want it. If you want life to turn on inside of you, if you want sin to be forgiven and to live forever, step out of your seat right now and come and stand right here with me I'm going to lead you in a prayer as you place faith from your heart in what Jesus did. Is there anyone here that you've never accepted Jesus, but you want to? Don't wait. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Step out of your seat. Do it now. Come and stand right here with me, and we will pray together. Anyone at all.
1: If you're watching at home,
0: You say, I want that. God bless you. In just a moment, as we pray here, you can pray at home right along with us. It's not about this church. It's about Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you pray this prayer out loud after me? Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you love me. Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you got up from the dead. And I say yes to you. Forgive my sin. Come live in me. Fill me with your spirit. Your word says, right now, I am forgiven. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm going to live forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, I got something for you. Where, where's my it? Oh, Tiffany. I got, a, I got a little gift for you. Follow Tiffany. Soul. She'll get it. And you can come right back. It you can come right back. My Hallelujah. My soul, <laughs> <this cornerstone, laughs> this solid Robin, who is this to you? This is your daughter? <laughs> my baby, she said. God bless you. We've been praying for her. Robin's been having us pray for this moment. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a good Pentecost Sunday. Anybody else? Does anybody need prayer? If you need prayer, I'll pray for you. Come right now. Don't wait. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.